This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 136 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me. How are you doing? Uh, Yeah, not bad. Not too bad. We're going to be a little bit downbeat I think this week aren't we? Because uh, you've got a hurty shoulder. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've been to a, a funeral this afternoon and it's just all a little bit a little bit flat. And we're recording early because I'm at a, a golden wedding anniversary dinner tomorrow at Basingham, which should hopefully be better than a funeral. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's been a bit of an up and down week. But, you know, we move on and we live and learn and all of the good stuff. Um but uh, I would ask you what you've been up to, but to be honest, we've seen each other more this week than we have in the past, what, 18 months? Yeah, but this isn't about me and you, it's about the 700 odd people that listen. Well, that's very true, but, you know, I, I like to, to ease it in with a conversation about how things are going, mate. That's how it works. So Rachel It's how it's worked me. for 130... You cheeky bastard. <laughs> that's how it's worked for 136 episodes. It feels like 136 years, Ben. <laughs> You know what? I, I bumped into uh, I bumped into our good friend Jane before the game on Saturday, and she said that you're vile to me. Did and, she? Uh, and yeah, and then on I saw her on Tuesday. Uh, she couldn't remember your name. She said, "Oh, this is Ben. He does the podcast with Beardy Ginger Man." I thought, "Oh, this is brilliant." Love Jane and Mark. I won't say a word against them. I'm somebody that doesn't criticise people who indulge in our content on the podcast, but of course you're not. So, hey, I don't criticise. I merely banter, as I'm sure lots of people would say. I and I know your opinions on the word. Knock you out. <laughs> he wouldn't. He loves me too much. Besides, he if he tried to punch me, he just bounce off me. No, uh, he could go for the face. Oh, I don't know, mate. I've got some chubby cheeks. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know you know what though the, the problem might be is all that food mate that you get stick for eating bless you <laughs> God, you got hammered on saturday absolutely hammered by my dad who was playing jack the bastard all day wasn't he <laughs> it was quite funny because like in fairness i did have a sneaking suspicion that he was uh he was on you know on one but um yeah i got there i got to the ground on saturday and uh, Gaz was in his normal uh, take it a piss mood, I believe the uh, the correct terminology is. Um, and then out of nowhere, uh, Mr. Hutchinson Senior showed up um, and saw that I was uh, I was tucking into a hot dog, and he was bloody open. You're always troughing. And every time I see you, you're always bloody troughing. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! I know where Gaz guy, gets it from. The now. guy on Twitter was it Clark said he would have come up to see you in London, but you were eating a subway. <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to disturb you. I was like, Jesus Christ! Oh, this, Twitter is a wonderful place. Just please don't tell Gaz. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, but I had my tea. I had my tea early on Tuesday. You didn't see me eating on Tuesday, did you? 
no, I didn't see you eating on Tuesday. Um, and you didn't see me eating uh, in Weatherspoons. And I'm just going to get it out there now. And I know that it's my own fault for going for a, to a Weatherspoons. But the Ritz in Lincoln, my God, it has dropped off a cliff. It is woeful. Absolutely woeful. They still owe me £3.94, which I'll probably never see because money was going out my PayPal and then the orders weren't registering on the app. But then when the manager come over, who, by the way, nearly got one from dad, came over and he, he kind of then he brought our drinks as we were putting our coats on. It's like, mate, we ordered them 30 minutes ago. Why are you bringing it now? My glass was like three quarters ice and maybe half a can of Pepsi. And I'll be honest, right, I'm in a filthy pub where the toilets stink, there's chips trodden into the carpet, our plates have been on our table for a good hour with the food on. They're like literally growing mould, they've gone beyond cold. And my dad says, hey up, mate, and the guy comes over and goes, excuse me, it'd be nice. Yeah, do you know what would be nice? Our drinks, mate, but we haven't got those, have we? So you can shove your excuse me up your arsehole. it. Do you know, I know that it's our own fault, but the thing is, like, people say, oh, come in the Golden Eagle or come in here or there, but you, you, they're not the sort of pubs where you can go and have a bite to eat. Mm. Me and Dad like to go in and have a bite to eat, not a, a KFC or something, like a, you know... A, well, actually, what we wanted was... Ga- I wanted gammon, but they've taken that off the menu at Weatherspoons and they're pretending that they're doing you a favour. Because I mean, it's now a- of all the places to take gammon off the menu, Weatherspoons is not the place that I thought, <laughs> given that that's the pre- you know, that's the predominant clientele that they have there. Oh, dear. That's, they, go, they have ham, egg and chips, and they have a small ham, egg and chips, but I think the large one and the small one are indistinguishable. And the thing is, I actually sat down. Uh, I was sitting down rather in Weatherspoons. I thought, right, I'm going to write a bad review while I'm sat here because I was steaming. And I went on to Google reviews and I've already written a view, review and it was a bad one from the last time we were in, which was the last night match, I think, when we played MK Dons. And I was saying then it was filthy and full of poor service. So we are now looking for a pub that serves food that we can go to for a night game. I mean, you'd think after, what, 18 months of basically not having any customers that they'd, you know, spruce the place up a bit and make an effort. Yeah. But, I mean, it is Weatherspoons, so, you know, friends don't like friends drinking Weatherspoons. Yeah, they used to be a decent enough outlet. Whatever we think of the owner and his politics, I don't go in a pub for politics. I go in a pub for for, for a drink and a bite to eat. And, you know, the beer's not bad and it's not a bad price. And I'd I'd like to go local. But, you know, places like the Eagle and that and on the high street and the shaky, they're busy. You know, they don't want me throwing my £2 for a pint of Coke in. And I don't want to be stood, you know, 18 hours at the bar trying to get my pint of Coke. I might as well just, you know, sit in Weatherspoons. But it ain't going to happen again. Weatherspoons have lost my custom. That's literally £1.94 twice uh, a night every you know, six weeks that they've lost now. So, you know, he's going to feel that. Well, it's that for you, but it's what, at least 70 quid for your dad's beers? No, 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 the beer's cheap, isn't it? So, yeah, that's what I mean. A pint of John John Smith's is about the same. Yeah, when we had the the steak and... Do you know what? Actually, I forgot this. The girl turned up... Sorry, I know this is a football podcast, but the girl turned up with my dad's steak, right? So, she's got the tray, she's got my meal on it, which is a burger and chip. She's got dad's steak, and then there's this tomato lolling around on the uh, the tray, like, separate from everything. So, she passes daddy's steak, passes me my meal. She then holds the tray out to dad and says the tomato fell off your steak would you still like it and it's lolling around this tray what <laughs> genuinely no i'll go get you another one or anything like that i'd forgotten all about that he's like no thanks love i'd rather not have one that's been rolling around on the train she went okay then and walked away <laughs> what <laughs> honestly honestly straight up oh my lord it's th- that's like taking your car in to get a service and then them going oh by the way your windscreen wiper fell off do you want it attached to the back seat oh by the way sorry we shit on the passenger seat do you want us to clean it up no it's all right mate. Oh, no no it's fine honestly it's not a problem you crack on <laughs> anyway so yeah that was weatherspoons and and to be fair in terms of football segway the night didn't get much better did it no i mean well I, I was going to say we'd start with Saturday, given that, you know, it was the first time that everybody was back and it's taken all of three days of being back at football to find something horrendously negative about the experience, <laughs> which just shows that, yes, this is a British football podcast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's let's we'll, we'll touch on Saturday first, because obviously, you know, fantastic win. And 
I think everything really it it was surprising to me how quickly everything seemed to be oh yeah we're back here now this is good and sort of just slipped back into some sort of normality um it was great like you know getting to the fan zone and finding a new table to sit at or you know new place to stand because i didn't want to get pelted by bows and arrows or whatever was in there and then um you know have the urine extracted by your good self Standard. Um, yeah absolutely and then you know have a pint and just you know relax Get and take it all in yeah. yeah well you know again that's standard but <laughs> <laughs> you know i i i just i liked it it was it was just really nice getting back in and seeing everybody and i think i was probably a little bit more excited about everything around the game than the game itself but then by the time we'd got into our seats that all just dissipated and it's like yeah we're back at football now it's great isn't it yeah i i kind of I buy into what you said about the pre-match experience i think you know, I kind of went there expecting it to be super emotional and like oh and you know happy christmas war is over and all that kind of thing and actually it was very much like well it's nice to be back you know yeah. let's, let's soak up the changes and you talk there about you know we don't want to stand in our normal place which was bizarrely by the bins uh which always caused the problem in the summer and <laughs> To have a normal place when you haven't been somewhere for 18 months is quite amusing. Um, yeah. I quite like the fan village. Mm-hmm. I quite like the concept. I like all the I like the seats. I like the fact that um, there's more space, a few more pouring points. I mean, there's a few things I'm not keen on. I'm not going to moan too much, but for soft drink um, enthusiasts, there's mm-hmm. no choice at all on the pouring points. And uh, I think I, I didn't bother on Tuesday night. I kind of, yeah, I thought oh, I'm not even going to have a drink. And the same goes inside. I could only get sugar-free Coke, you know, like Coke Zero stuff, which which I'd said numerous times last night tastes like, you know, when you've been on an 18-mile hike in the rain and you wring out your socks, if you rang them out into a glass and then you left that to stand for a month, that's what Coke Zero tastes like. I believe your actual wording last night was arse juice. Yeah, it tastes like arse juice as well. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, so I was I'm disappointed, but look, you know, the club aren't catering for me, they're catering for the masses. Uh, and, and generally, I think the fan zone is, is a really great place. Um, mm. I think it's, you know, it'll not be quite as great in the middle of winter. So I don't quite know how they're going to manage that, you know, when it's raining and that, it'll be a real shame. But for now, yeah, it's good. But it's nice to be back. It's nice to see some of the um, old faces. I still haven't spoken, I don't think, to everybody I'd like to, but yeah, mm. yeah very quickly very quickly the focus came to football i think i walked up over onto the over the kind of the yellow steps and looked out and i thought oh this feels great and you're going to sit in your seat and, and when the players come out i've got you know like hairs on my arms stood up mm. and then within two minutes you know you wear the, the knobhead who sits a little bit in front of you go you know pass it forward get into them you think oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm back at the bank now yeah yeah i mean everybody everybody around me had survived which is quite nice um mm-hmm. so it was yeah and then yeah the football was 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 poor in the first half wasn't it let's not make any bones and i know we're not going to dissect fleetwood too much because it's been and gone but um poor in the first half decent in the second half and nice to come away with a win yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was, you know, really just a bit of a cagey start on uh, on both sides. I think Fleetwood were probably there to stop us playing more than anything else. And, they, you know, they seemed to do that fairly well. Um, I think there were some positives to take out the first half. Um, you know, obviously not too many, but it, uh, it, you know, it was what it was. And unfortunately, you know, didn't didn't really come away with much in the first half, but by the end of the game, it's sort of been turned around. And um, I think that showed, you know, I think Michael said himself, you know, it's nice to, nice to see a team come from one down and, and win and, you know, obviously come from behind and, and get the result. But um, just out of interest, what positives did you take from the first half? I mean, I they thought, had nine shots, seven on target. We had four, one on target. I thought there were some decent enough flashes of uh you know just little moments where i thought oh yeah that looks you know they, they look like a, they're gonna slot in well i know um some people gave uh last Sorensen a bit of a hammer in at half time i thought he was you know and i thought he showed again in patches i thought he looked really impressive and you know 
calm on the ball, but he had a decent first touch and you know, a good eye for a pass, not necessarily hitting the pass all, uh, getting it right all the time, but seeing the passes. Um, I can see him. <laughs> you know what I mean, Gaz? Yeah, I do. You've got to hit him now, haven't you? Yeah, you have. I, but... I, I'm not on Lass Sorensen's case, by the way, because actually I thought he looked all right. Um, mm. I, I'm I'm not sure, and I'm, I'm not pinching this from Pete, and if he's listening, I know you said it as well, but I'm not sure about the Sorensen McGrandall's dynamic mm. particularly. Uh, I don't think we've had the same impact in the middle of the park uh, with those two partnering each other, sort of ahead of Bridcourt or, or however you know you, you see that we've set up. Just not sure that dynamic is is quite there yet. And obviously we we're, we move into the second half and Ted Bishop came on. Uh, and, and that's where, you know, I see a more attack-minded player mm. complementing one of those two. I do wonder if Sorensen might find his game time um, mixed up, but a little more limited. He's starting games at the moment. I think when Bishop comes back, I think Bishop McGrandles and Bridgecott is the, is the midfield trio. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Bishop changed the game when he came on for me on Saturday. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I, I, I said on social media, I think my man of the match was Teo Ed, and I think he was superb for you know at least 80% of the night. I think he didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, was involved in both the goals. Obviously, was fouled for the penalty and um, you know put the assist in for uh, for Scully's first. I, I just thought he was fantastic, and I know a lot of people said the same about Liam Bridcut. And that's, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Bridcut's performance because he was superb. But yeah, I just, I, I personally just thought um, that, that Teo was just edged it for me. And it, it's nice to see when you have, you know, you can sit there and say the first half wasn't fantastic, but by the end of it, you, you've got three people that are sort of clamouring for a man of the match award um yeah it's cut all day long for me but i see where you're coming from taylor was excellent and obviously scully was superb as well um and and you know as critical as i've just been about the uh first half of the game you know as when i say as bad as as sloppy as much as we were choked out in the first half of the game actually in the second half of the game we were far better because they didn't have a single shot on target mm. uh, and we did we had two and we scored from both of them telling that i think um that uh, that we didn't have a you know two shots on target two goals scored xg actually does show that we should have won the game probably one nil would have been a fair result 1.26 to 0.44 uh, but possession 63 percent but possession doesn't win you games um predominantly uh, i would say possession doesn't win you games yeah and you know we've seen it before (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean like we've seen it before we've dominated possession in a game and come away with nothing but um what we see and you picked up on it earlier was the patterns of play and you know i made the off the cuff comment about last Sorensen. yes you can see the passes that we want to play you can see the runs that we want to make i still think we need one or two better players um I'm not going to call Tom Hopper, but I think in the two games we've watched him in, that's in Bank this season. Average probably does him a favour. Um, yeah. Very good at the back. You know, he's got back, he's headed clear, all that sort of thing. I, I don't think he looks fit. I thought he looked knackered um, Tuesday night. I don't know if we're moving on to Tuesday night, but I thought he looked knackered after about 25 minutes. And I know people say, well, it's hard up there. He's isolated up there. He's not because he's not up there. And the number of times that we broke in the wide areas, Tom was still back in the midfield. And OK, it's because he's coming back and getting involved. It's because he's, <coughs> excuse me, you know, it's because he's an all action kind of false nine. But I've said it in my articles, I said it to people last night, I'll say it again. In a game where you are having a lot of possession and creating chances, you don't need a false nine, you need a nine. And mm. I know we couldn't afford him, you need a Mo Isa-style player who is going to be very, very selfish. It puts more emphasis on the players behind you. But for me, when McGrandles is one of those players and Bridcut is one of those players and Eden is one of those players, they'll cover a lot of grass. I don't, personally, I don't need my centre-forward to be covering that grass as well. Mm. when balls are then going into the area and nobody's there yeah 100% I think you know we'll, we might as well move on to Tuesday because I think we've you know essentially wrung out what we can from Saturday um, I think it was 
I think you, you, you bang on. It, it looked a little bit, I don't want to say sluggish or, you know, off the pace, but he, he, he was. He, he seemed a little bit off the boil. Um, I don't know. Like you, I, I just wonder if he's fully fit. Um, and is that why Lundlew's being rushed in when he was only really back on the grass on Monday? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it was it was good to see Dan coming in um, for the last 10, 15 last night. Yeah, 10 minutes tops, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't think anyone would argue that we are currently a, a striker, sure. And it, yeah, you know, said it before, it always seems to be the way with every transfer window, we're looking for a striker. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a... You know, I'm I'm not sitting here and you know, like you said, I'm, we're not going to sit here and slate Tom Hopper. He's he's you know he's a good player, but it's we need that burst of pace and power to to get through the defence and you know create chances. Not necessarily for himself, but you know, if he does create a chance for himself to to stick it in the back of the net or to kind of barge the way through the defence and, and get on the end of crosses or balls and hopefully, you know, stick one away. But Let me I mean, introduce you to some statistics, if that's all right. Cool. Yeah, let me Benjamin, just recline my chair. Recline your chair, settle in. There's two <laughs> letters you're going to need to know about here. They are X and G. It's like Sesame What's, Street, isn't it? By the way, before you go, <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by the letters X, X and G. G and the numbers nine and zero, X G per <laughs> ninety. Go on, what's your question um, first? What what's this X got? Pass. So on to X G <laughs> per ninety. Uh, I don't know about X got. Uh, it's about expected chances on Game of Thrones or something. I don't know. Um, so X G per ninety, and I'm going to defend Tom Hopper by the way in a minute as well because I, I don't want this to look like like an assassination of a player and a man who actually I I, I like. He's he's a nice bloke. Um, doesn't win your games, but he is a nice bloke. So X G per ninety is as it as it sounds. So rather than just taking your X G. So, for instance, Anthony Scully's XG this season is 2.09, but he's played in, in every game. Whereas, you know, you take another player, for instance, like Teddy Bishop, who hasn't played in every game, his XG is 0.3. But if you then you then work it out in terms of how many minutes they've been on the pitch. So I think it's an interesting statistic because it's like how often are those players getting in positions, not based on you know length of time, but actual performance, so to speak. So our player with the most XG per 90 is, is Anthony Scully, which is 0.51. So he's expected at the moment from the chances he's getting to score a goal every two games. Interestingly enough, what's he got? A goal every every two games because he's got two goals in four. So he's, he's pretty much on par at the minute. He has had 14 shots on goal, Anthony Scully. Now, do you know who the next player on the list is in terms of XG per 90? Teddy Bishop, Ted, sorry, Ted Bishop, oh. 0.22. He's had three shots at goal. Now, bear in mind, he completely missed, I seem to think, two games. He might have come on for in the Gillingham game. So mm. really interested. But then listen to the rest of the list. Lass Sorensen is next. Teo Eden after that. Conor McGrandles after that. Cohen Bramall after that. Adalakan after that. Regan Poole after that. And the mm. last player, the lowest XG per 90 in our entire side is Tom Hopper. And I know there's players like Melbourne and Jackson, but they've got no XG because they haven't had a chance. Tom Hopper's bottom. Now, for me, I get why, because he plays the false nine. He, he works incredibly hard and probably wins more defensive headers than some of our defenders. I'll check that out in a moment. Um, but from the balls that we put into the area and the way that we create chances, for me, I think a centre forward should have a higher XG per 90 than that. And bear in mind, he has scored a goal. So actually, if we were to award the XG award right now, he would take it because he scored a goal from 0.05 XG. He's only had two shots in entirety this season, which is fewer than everybody else above him. Regan Paul's had four. Wow. Yeah, just, and it, it you know, it. It's not that I'm criticising Tom. It's just maybe that's part of the role. Maybe actually we're looking for those other players to get into positions, in which case Anthony Scully's 14 shots. The next best is five shots. So yeah, there's no there's no, no wonder that Scully is the person that everybody's talking about because he's the only one really that's taking a punt. Some of those times, like I think last night, he actually was very greedy in one instance. 
but maybe he's got to be. I, you know, I, it's very, very clear that we need a, a different type of centre forward, whether that's on Lundaloo uh, or whether that's a new signing. We need a player who, when we need to break teams down, we can either go two up top or we can go, um, we can take Tom off because he's more of a, a defensive centre forward, so to speak. Um, but I can understand why people will begin to get on his back, which I think will be harsh, but I can understand why it will begin to happen. Mm. I mean, it's... I, I, I don't really know how to react to that. It, you know, when someone says, oh, the number nine's the bottom of the, uh, the expected goals table, you think, well... Per 90. Expected goals per 90. Sorry, yes. Sorry. Um, you know, that that's kind of... Yeah, it's a bit of an eye-opener, isn't it? Um, a- aerial jewels one per 90. Tom Hopper, top, 8.31. Okay. So it's aerial jewels per 90. Aerial jewels one, he's third uh, with 63%. But Josh Griffiths has won 100% of his aerial jewels. So every time he goes up to catch it, he does. So yeah. again, you I can see what you can see exactly what Tom is doing and what he's adding. I mean, his defensive jewels, bear in mind... Um, you know, defensive challenges for the ball and that sort of thing. Um, he's right up there. Uh, so you've got uh, take Max Sanders out because that's not per ninety. But Las Sorensen is there. Then it's Tom Hopper. He wins more of his defensive duels than Max Melbourne and Teo Eden and believe it or not, Liam Bridcock. Wow. Because Tom Hopper wins sixty nine point two percent of his defensive duels, equal with Regan Paul, who's a player who gets hugely criticised as well. Last Sorenstons won seventy five percent of his. Yeah, and that's where I think you need. I think Sorenston and McGrandles. I don't think either of them are that attacking midfielder, and I think that's probably why. Certainly on Saturday, and to a degree last night, there was that kind of expanse in front of the eighteen yard area that that players weren't filling. Adelakan did it to a degree, I think, in the first half yesterday, um, but not so much in the second. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's we're going to see this Lincoln team evolve, and we're probably sounding quite critical at the moment. And I don't want that to be the case because we did play some lovely stuff in the first half yesterday. hundred percent. But I think we can all see where where we need the odd signing, or where we need Chris Maguire back to fitness and and on Lundblu at full fitness. And and Michael knows that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the question for me is if. Chris Maguire, you know, well, when Chris Maguire is fit and he plays alongside Tom Hopper, does that free up Tom Hopper to do the kind of stuff that we expect from a, a number nine? You know, is is he no. then going to be a little bit freed up? No, because Maguire doesn't play centre forward, he plays left wing. Mm. So we will still be 4 3 3. And and I don't think you, I don't think you free Tom Hopper up. I think that the nature of the way that he plays his football is as we're seeing at the moment. And uh, yeah, when when you play a Portsmouth or a Sunderland or something like that, you need Tom Hopper. It's no coincidence that Tom's best games last season, when you think about it, were were games against probably bigger play, bigger teams. Certainly the two playoff games spring to mind um you know he was he was excellent in both of those because in those games we need every man fighting in the box i just think when you're playing a bolton who have conceded six goals in two league games you need to be more pressing you need to take the game more to them and and michael said it he said it in his uh post-match interview i can't remember whether it was last night or whether it was saturday but you know if people don't take those chances he'll bring somebody else in who does and tom's now played saturday uh, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, hasn't he? Which is exactly what we don't want him to do. And I think he he, he looked like he had. So, you know, I, I don't want it to look like I am being hugely critical of him because it's the type of player that he is. It's mm. just, I think it's clear we, we know what type of player we need to bring in. And I can see Brandon Hanlon. I can see why we want to bring him in. But, you know, if, if only, a silly thing to say, but if only we had the money for a Moisa. Yeah. Um, and he would be happy playing 50% of the games because 50% of our games, Tom Hopper's perfect. That's why we got to the playoffs last season. Yeah. It's just the other 50% of the games where you need something different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do wonder if um, if Lundulu is going to be that guy um, to you know to switch up. Um, I, it, he looked. I mean, the first thing I said last night when he came on and he um, he was starting to put himself about was that he, he looks like an absolute unit. Um, and the um, 
I think, well, I think you mentioned that as well, didn't you, when you said you saw him in the training ground? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a big lad. Yeah. And he, you know, saw when he came on. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got that power. He's got that, uh, you know, I think um, I spoke to a, a Southampton fan and he said he's got the, the pace and he's got that kind of explosive power that I think, I think that's what we're, you know, we're lacking and, you know, he'll, he'll do well with his head down running towards goal sort of player. You know, I think that's... Yeah potentially what we're going to need but I, th- I think uh, there was a, a desire for him to be the new Brennan Johnson and I hate kind of saying you know he's the new there's Ted Bishop's the new George Grant but in yeah. the style that we play you're looking for players to replicate what others did yes last season I actually don't think Dan and Lundaloo is the new Brennan Johnson I I think he's the striker that we didn't have last season I think he's what we wished um Callum Morton was going to be mm. so I, I you know don't I don't want anybody to think that they should judge Dan and Lundaloo on on the ten minutes that we saw last night. Where, to be honest, he looked rusty and a little ungainly, uh, and and a little kind of complicated in the way that he ran. And yeah, it was it was harsh for him to even have to come on the field. I think, but just surprised me that Ty wasn't Tom that came off. But um, he'll I mean, get I think better. I think that was the thing. It it seemed to shift. Obviously, we shifted to, to you know two up top, and it was. I think for 10 minutes it kind of almost seemed to be a little bit of a free-for-all um, to to my eyes and um, yeah you know it wasn't like a straight 4-4-2 that we switched to it just sort of seemed to be right well those two are playing up top just get the ball to my we want but I didn't think it was for I didn't think it was too up top at all I thought Tom Hopper dropped deeper into the midfield and I thought we remained 4-3-3 from what I could see um mm. Okay. It didn't look to change a huge amount. Uh, Tom certainly looked to drop deeper where there was less running to be done, mm. which it did again. It surprised me. I think if Michael had had more options available, he might have pressed on. And the thing is, it was a killer punch because yeah. I thought we'd weathered a, a bolt and storm quite well. I thought the game was heading for a draw, and you know, worried about where we're going to score goals and it was the first game where actually my fears felt founded and considering we scored five in three it's, yeah that's harsh again mm. but and then and then after that actually we had a very really good chance from um through Adelakan and, mm. and he'd been quiet for a lot of the second half and then he got down the right and he put the ball into the perfect area kind of was it a shot? Was it a cross? When you're debating that and you've made the keeper come out and push it away or do something with it, actually, that's really good. Mm. But, it, you know, it just didn't quite kind of come off and bounce into the right area for him, unfortunately. No. I mean, you know, let, let's talk about the let's talk about the goal because it, it was a... It seems to be that the goals that we've conceded so far this season, I think we've conceded one from a free kick and we've conceded two now from... I think essentially what seemed to be silly mistakes. Um, and it just seems like that's the, that's the thing that is the frustrating part. I mean, you know, you said it in your write up. I think if you were watching last night as somebody that didn't have red and white glasses on, it was, it was actually a decent game. You know, I thought there was some good football played and I think there was some, you know, I think it was just a bit of an entertaining match to be honest, but when a goal is conceded from, well, essentially two mistakes in quick succession, and you know, Bolton are pressing with the the pace and the intensity that we know that they can do, and at least half the team is out of position. It, yeah, it, it's frustrating to watch. But the thing is, you know that that's going to be, um that's going to be something that the, you know they're trying to eradicate throughout the season um and i know uh, i finally got around to listen to the um the gone off on a tangent podcast uh, with bridcut and something that he said in that stuck uh, stuck with me after i was you know coming away bemoaning the mistakes last night i think in that he said that you know michael appleton doesn't mind if you make mistakes because at least you're trying something it's the fact that you've got to learn from them that's going to, you know, that's going to spur you on and that's going to improve you as a player. And I think as long as the guys learn from what happened last night and they start to pick up and try and tidy up those mistakes in the coming weeks, I think I think the amount of stuff we're going to have to worry about is getting less and less. Yeah, I, I've watched the goal back and I know who gets the criticism for it. Teo Edenham. 
Josh Griffiths. Um, I there's something I wasn't overly impressed with, and, and this you know, great great player, great great player. If you watch Conor McGrandles, and it's late in the game and he's done a lot of running, but when the when the chance breaks, it falls to their boys about 25 yards out, and at that stage, the 10, which is Sarsovic, which scores the goal, is another. 10, 15 yards behind him and stood five yards away to his right-hand side, maybe 10 yards away, is McGrandles. Now, as the chance unfolds, Sarsovic makes the run. You watch as um, Regan Paul comes across to try and block it. The shot gets blocked by uh, Adam Jackson. At that point, the ball drops more or less loose in the area and there are um, four Lincoln players around the two Bolton players. Paul's trying to block the, the shot, uh, I think it's Teo has already got back behind the player. Max Melbourne, who um, has put a, a, a weakish tackle in to get beat, he's on, in attendance as well. Sarsovic has moved all the way up to the edge of the area, and as the ball falls, he's in the D. McGrandles has remained five or ten yards to his right and just kind of tracked his run, but not. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like he's run mm. parallel to him. And Bridcup, by the way, has gone back on the line. He's still protecting the line from when Josh uh, Josh Vickers, uh, Josh Griffiths was, was out of position. And then as the ball's pat stabbed through, you know, at that point, the players that are actually closing Sarsovic down, bear in mind, two, three seconds earlier, he was, he was 30 yards up the pitch with McGrandles close to him. The players trying to get across to him, actually Teo Eden and Regan Paul. And I, I, I don't know, like I say, I, I just I don't want to be critical of any of our players, to be honest. But I, I, I don't think McGrandles has started the season in uh, the same sort of form as he finished it. And no. it will be, bear in mind, he was dropped for one of the Sunderland games as well. I do wonder with, once Ted Bishop's fit, um, I do wonder how that dynamic's going to look. But look, that's one goal. And and, and on the whole, actually, we played very well, I thought, in the first half. XG 1.63 to 1.26. So probably the XG suggests they should have won the game. I've watched all those ch- their chances back. And one of the biggest chances that, that contributes to their higher XG uh, was, was a, a, a scuff in the area where their centre-half in the first half should have got a touch on something he didn't. Mm. Actually... Um, you know, we had 16 shots. If you take out a couple of Anthony Scully pot shots, probably that, you know, a fairer reflection would be a little fewer. Um, it reminds me of when I used to play FIFA against my mate Kirky, and we always said if it was a draw, we'd go on on shots. So if you were drawing late in the game, you just hit a shot from the centre circle. Do you know what I mean? Get your shots up a little bit. <laughs> That's what it felt like a little bit sometimes with, with, with Anthony Scully, but at least he was having a go. Um, but, you know, we had six shots on target. If you take out the ones that kind of were the daisy cutters that trickled through, I mean, one of Sorensen's was, was you know, he had a shot, but he didn't quite get hold of it. Probably fewer again. But you know, he, had, the, he had one where it just skimmed the wrong side of the post, didn't he, as well in the first half? Yeah, we, he did, yeah. And Adelakan had a good effort in the first half as well, which the keeper saved. Uh, so, yeah, we, we did well. It was the first game yesterday where we haven't played as many passes as the opposition as well. Okay. Against Gillingham, we, we played 98 more. Against Shrewsbury, uh, I can't do the maths, uh, but it was, was, you know, a good 140 more. Against Fleetwood, it was a good uh, 220 passes more. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, 347 to 565. Last night, Bolton outpassed us. Yeah, they had more possession, 59 to 41 as well so they, they were a decent side they were a mm. decent side they're not as good as as their fans think uh, i think <laughs> i saw someone say on twitter which i can understand but they've got think, some handy players well i think their fans seem to think that they'd won the league last night at it's the end sign of how far we've come in it yeah the team comes a team like bolton who have played regular premier league football and once had jj a catcher in the midfield who's incredibly gifted footballer come to lincoln city and they feel like they've won the fa cup from the win and i don't want us to get arrogant and complacent because bolton wonder is a team that should be beating as they shouldn't be in this division they are a big club uh, and the fact that we've spent the last kind of 20 minutes almost bemoaning the fact that we were beaten and picking what we did wrong against a side who you know, 10 years ago, we played them in the FA Cup and it was a day out. So, yeah. 
yeah, I don't, I don't want any listeners to get the wrong idea here and, and think that we're being super critical. I don't think there's a fundamental problem at Lincoln City. I think we're just a work in progress. And I, I, I hate losing football matches. I hate losing football matches that we shouldn't have lost more than I hate getting pumped and playing badly. Because at yeah. least if you get pumped and play badly, you can come away and go, he was shit, he was shit, he was shit. Actually, we've spent 10 minutes pulling apart a centre forward who works his little knackers off. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, I, I think that's the thing. Like, it's I, I don't want to be sitting here and people sort of taking away from this that we've just laid into, like you say, we've laid into the team, we've laid into Tom Hopper in particular, and you know that he's crap and all the rest of it because that's not that's not what I want to do because that's well, it's not who I am and it's not, it's not who, what we've done. It's not, it's what, not what the podcast is. No, exactly. And that's that's we've, we've analysed like, it and we know. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to I mean, I, I off, think but. I think there were, I think there were more, um, that there were reasons to not be as annoyed as some people have been um, coming out of the game last night. I, you know, I, I think I said, um, I can't remember the exact word, and when I you know, put it on on Twitter last night, but I, I just think there was more to be uh, pleased about than than upset about coming out of the game last night. And one of the reasons for that is our new signing, which is something that privately me and you have talked about for a little while. And I know it was rumoured on social media that uh, they were off down to Portsmouth, but it was finally confirmed last night that um, TJ Aoma is back with the Imps on a permanent deal from Spurs, which... I'd, did you ever think that you would be saying that we'd signed somebody that was being tipped for the Spurs first team on a permanent transfer the following season in your no, lifetime? No, but I think the tips for the Spurs first team were probably by, you know, the sort of sites that have to have to do that. I, I think he was a way away from the Spurs first team. I think he would have been suited with a championship loan, no doubt don't, whatsoever. Don't piss on my chips, Gary. I didn't, did I? I had one of them on Saturday and snatched them away from me. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I should have done. No, I'm, I understand what you're saying. You know, there are some articles. I, I wrote about it, man. So I'm a massive hypocrite because I wrote that people were tipping in for the Spurs first team. But yeah, I don't think he was close to that. But he was certainly a prospect and he's certainly a big signing. And look, like you say, we've been talking about it off air for a little while. It was something that you know, I can say now because he's here. It, it was discussed when I went down to the sponsors dinner uh sponsors dinner sponsors um more not the sponsors thing when i went down to the training ground to speak to michael you know off the record i said to michael are we, i asked him are we interested in tjo because it had been rattling around and he's like yeah yeah it was close it was a close deal and and things got a little bit complicated he got injured playing for spurs which didn't help and i think one or two teams were looking in and, and were interested and then uh, you know, a good source messaged me on Sunday morning. I don't mind kind of saying this. I don't reveal who, but a good source messaged me at 20 to 8 on Sunday morning, by the way. So it's a good job I put my phone on mute, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and said, Portsmouth are gazumping us. Confidential information. You know, it's, this is this is, this is is not going to happen. It may not happen. And um, I kind of kept that to myself. Ruined my Sunday. I was utterly convinced last night he wasn't going to sign. I was actively telling people in the fan zone. I was chatting to um, Baz and Dave, I've known for a few years. Uh, very different to Chaz and Dave, by the way. Different. <laughs> um, so I was chatting to Baz and Dave in the in the fan zone. I was saying, I don't think TJ will sign. I think he'll go elsewhere. And as I was saying that, you know, he was sat in a changing rooms <laughs> kind of, if he could have listened to me he would have been, like, would have been doing that whole anyone that used to watch bottom where richie flicks the v's and goes <laughs> sat on the park um, bench yeah yeah so yeah it, it was it was a, a, a nice shock and I, I love being wrong about things when they're to our benefit um i loved the unveiling obviously you didn't because you didn't see it because uh, you were in the queue to get in um yep. But it was nice, you know. I, kind of, he's hard to hear. And Alan Long, I, I think, I think he's announcing something. And I think that looks like Ioma. And then it's, you know, I think he just said TJ Ioma. Is that TJ Ioma? And then everyone starts singing, you know, TJ Ioma. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, and it, it was a great moment. And it, yeah, look, he's not. We've not signed the headline striker. We've not signed. People might look at it and go, "Oh, you're getting excited over a right back and a centre back." 
uh, right back centre back like, yeah we are because he is a player that could go back and play Premier League football like Teo Eden look how Teo is now he's one of our star players and it's a similar situation they played for England they played for a Premier League team they've they've been out on loan TJ did much better on loan than Teo did at Ipswich but now they're, they're both at Lincoln City players interesting where he fits in for me but because I think Regan Paul actually has been very very good uh, yeah oh absolutely so. I wanted to pick up on that earlier because you mentioned about, you know, people have been giving Regan Poole a bit of a hammer and, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's fully unjustified. I think Regan Poole has, um, I know, you know, Jack Mulhall mentioned this on Twitter and he said um, that he's doing the right back things, you know, that a right back should be doing and he's doing them very well. Um, and I don't think really that you can criticize a right back for doing essentially what a right back should be doing um and he's looked solid for me he's uh you know he's he's not put a foot wrong too much um he's he's done really well um and i want to see him continue should we pull some stats out just to back it up because I, like I like to back opinion up if there's fact there that I can back it up and you can make stats say what you want so well normally yeah. you make you make the stats make me look wrong no, I'm not, because I agree with you in this instance, Ben, you're right. <laughs> That's I like, what I mean. I like yeah. Regan Paul. So let me tell you, there's there's a, there's a couple of metrics I wanted to pick up on. The first one is passes to the final third per 90 minutes. So per 90 minutes, a player plays, how many passes does he make that go into the final third of the field? Okay, Liam Bridcut makes the most, 10.75. He will, because he's awesome. Um, <laughs> Regan Paul's next, 7.15. Bear in mind, also in there, Lass Sorensen, Teddy Bishop, Conor McGrandles. Teo Eden's below all of those players, by the way, and he still makes six into the final third. So we do actually enter the final third on, on, on quite a regular basis. And I, I, I found that interesting. It's actually Regan Paul does very, very well. When you t- change that metric around, passes into the penalty area, per 90 minutes it changes a little bit Regan Paul makes 2.31 uh Cohen Bramall has actually made more probably because he plays out wide you expect the wide players to make more um but Teo Eden 5.53 passes into the penalty area so actually we've got two very in my opinion two very different fullbacks Teo Eden is very progressive kind of attacking fullback and he's getting into the area I think Regan Paul is is a little more reserved but he's still making those key forward passes now there's another uh, metric and I'd look it up and tell you what it means it's smart passes per 90 Uh, I'll tell you what because uh, I am a decent bloke and you can hear the clicking uh, I'm going to tell you what smart pass is by googling uh, Wisecats glossary so smart pass is a creative and penetrative pass that attempts to break the opposition defensive lines to gain a significant advantage in attack so we're talking here about um, balls that go between the lines you know we're not talking about a standard pass from left to right here so in terms of smart passes actually we've only got eight players that have played a smart pass or more throughout uh, the, the the season and Regan Paul's smart passes accuracy is 100% so whenever he tries to play that smart pass he gets it right he plays fewer i'm not going to lie he he plays fewer smart passes um teo edden plays the most and then last Sorensen after that so uh, i I, I, I just genuinely i just find that sort of thing really interesting and i think it's it's really easy to look at regan pool and and criticize yeah i've seen him lose the ball on a couple occasions i've seen him do you know he is a defensive for me, a defensive fullback first and foremost, and he gets pulled inside quite a bit um, mm. when when the play's over on the other side of the field. Um, yeah, so sorry, I got a bit of heartburn there. So, no, sorry. Right. I think the um, so I think the thing for me is, you know, you, you say where's TJ going to fit in, and for me, it's you know when Joe Walsh is fit, I think it's a case of playing Joe Walsh and, and TJ together no um, Lewis Monsman then no and uh, you know I, that's incredibly harsh but I think that's uh, you know if you've got Joe Walsh and, and TJ Aoma fit as well as Regan Paul and Teo Eden that's your back four it's it's your best four centre but uh, well your best four defenders well that's the thing you know when we when we talk you know we talked before about having the strength and the depth of the, of the squad. We've not got the biggest squad, but 
but the quality that we've got in that squad is fantastic. And I think having to pick four defenders out of, what, six or seven real quality defenders, you've got to leave two people out. And unfortunately, you know, for my opinion, for my eyes, it's going to be Monksmore and Jackson. Well, I'm not going to argue. I wanted one last thing, first of all, on Paul, before I move on to your facts. Progressive passes. I love the stats. Uh, and can you tell I've worked out on Scout how to put all the Lincoln players together on the same thing now so I can look at them in a table. <laughs> so it's only been a season or so. So progressive passes can a pass is considered to be progressive if the distance between the starting point and next touch is at least 30 metres closer to the opposition's goal. So that that's a, a, a progressive pass. So it moves you, you know, much, much closer to the opposition goal. Uh, and you know our players play quite regular progressive passes. Regan Paul is top of that table with 13.6 progressive passes per 90 minutes. And wow. Liam uh, uh, Lewis Mons was next, but he, he hasn't had all that many minutes, so actually the, the metric works him, him out higher than he should be. But Liam Bridcut is next. Uh, Teddy Bishop. Uh, has played on average 7.38 progressive passes per 90. Bear in mind that's stretched out because he hasn't played a full 90 with 100% accuracy. 100% accuracy. When that voice fits, Lincoln City become very different. Now to spin that around, we're talking about Teo Eden and, and where does he fit in? And I said, you know, well, what about uh, what about you know, poor old Lewis or Adam Jackson? I actually. I actually agree with you. I was just being an arsehole. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a surprise. Yeah, because Regan Paul, for me, plays right back. Teo Eden plays left back. I genuinely think that TJ Ioma plays centre back. And, and Joe Walsh, if he's fit, and, you know, that's a huge, huge caveat, by the way, because he's you know, he's, he's clearly struggled now for, for 12, 18 months. If he's fit, Joe Walsh is our best left-sided centre back. If he's not... I see Adam Jackson probably being the best bet. Um, but obviously Monsberg came here billed as a as being able to play left-sided centre-back, whereas Adam Jackson probably hasn't done that. So you, you know, we're in a good position with our defenders when they're fit. When they're fit, you've got a huge, huge problem splitting them all up. Uh, but Teo was outstanding at the end of last season. That block against Sunderland remains one of the highlights of that game. So... TJ. What did I say? Teo. You said Teo. Bloody hell, sorry. I've done, what, I, do you know what's actually just thrown me? I've just been bitten on my arm by something in here under my watch, and it has, it's just swollen my wrist right up while I've been talking. Fun times. Yeah. So there we go. But, I mean, you know, let's let's move away from the, the football, because we did say, uh, well, I did say, last week that uh, you know things are you can't just have your blinkers on and you can't just praise the good stuff without picking up on the bad stuff um two home games in a row uh, have seen people streaming in after the kickoff uh, due to pretty <laughs> don't start <laughs> just you know due to the um you know the queues outside the ground and the thing is last night we we left the fan zone at 25 past seven and we got into our seats uh, about three minutes past kick or two minutes past kickoff. So I don't really know how much earlier people want, you know, thousands of people to get there. Like normally we're in our seats probably about 40 minutes, 45 minutes before kickoff. But last night we got held up by a couple of things. Um, beer. You got held no, up by beer. No, I had one beer earlier on, and we actually got held up by something that I wasn't going to mention um, because you'd get all arsy about it. But um, it was uh, we we given the exec box to somebody last night, and we were just waiting for them to arrive, and they did. Why would I get Why would I get arsy about that? Because you'd go, ooh, and you were thinking about me. No, wouldn't Rachel won that fair and square? Oh yeah, I forgot because it's Rachel. You, you just yeah. know. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, you know, we had we got held up a little bit, and we we joined the queue twenty five past. And the, I say the queue; it was just a mass of people um, that went past.
past the gate that goes down to South Park. And, it, you know, I think it was probably even going down by the side of the um, the, the fence and the, 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 is it football pitches there? Or, I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, not ideal. I know the club have said that they are, you know, Liam's come out and given his unreserved apologies about it. And, yeah, I I don't know for sure what's caused it, but it's not right if we, like I said, praise all the good stuff and don't call out the negative stuff because that really was awful last night. And from what I understand, it was the same on Saturday. Um, I can tell you what's caused it, not having enough turnstiles open. Simple as that. There's a turnstile closed that's not normally closed and that that hasn't helped. Uh, I, I don't think you're any quicker, get any slower going through with the scanner. When you get down the front, the scanners were nice and quick. Um, I left the fan zone. I looked at my watch and it was 20 past seven. And we, I said to you, obviously, Cheerio, we're off in the ground. Yeah. And the queue at that point was just at the Legends Lounge entrance. So I yeah. stood having a chat to a uh, a fan of the, I'd say podcast. He said he watched a dog, dog walk video, so maybe he doesn't like your content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to to a lad called Andy um, in the uh, in the queue. Again, we queued a little bit to get in, but it seems it was that five-minute window and you don't know where that is. Liam said he's going to sort it. Look, there's been all sorts of little teething problems, as you'd expect. I think on the opening game of the season, they were let the bar were letting people out with glasses rather than plastic glasses, mm-hmm. uh, and that then caused a queue while they tried to source plastic glasses, so there was huge long queues there. There, there are all sorts of little teething problems, uh, which kind of tend to come and uh, you know again I, I know um a couple of people were kind of highly critical on twitter and leon was very defensive and uh, you know i can understand him being defensive because i think it is what it is i mean i i went and queued earlier i got in earlier i'm not going to say to people well you should get there earlier because if you had i would have been further back in the queue <laughs> so um i would hope that we see some sort of resolution on that for the next home game yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at a photo that I took at 42 minutes past seven last yeah, night. Yeah, I stole it. No, there was there was a different one. There was yeah. one looking back from the uh, from the stand, um, going back towards South Park, and you can see that it's going down that it's going down that passageway, yeah. and that's at you know three minutes to kick off, and it's like, well, yeah, there's all sorts of you know alleged reasons as to why the, the turnstiles aren't open and we're not going to discuss those without having all the facts but ultimately you know the, they've, check cl- scout. <laughs> <laughs> they've clearly got something wrong and hopefully you know it can be like you say hopefully it can be resolved before the next home game um it's it, it was a shame because it, it took the gloss off um the the announcement for me because well, I didn't see it and you know had to kind of <laughs> <laughs> had to take the gloss off everything won't it that, that yeah. took the gloss off the last James Bond film for me I actually got a, I got a text from a friend um who was in the ground and he just he, he texted me he said oh well that Twitter account's a load of bollocks then isn't it and I went what, what do you mean? He went, what do you mean? What do you mean? TJ's on the pitch. I went, oh, shit. Like, that was how I found out about it. And then you text me immediately. Um, but, but yeah. account that you retweeted. No, well, no, you, you messaged me. You WhatsApp me, didn't you? No, the, the Twitter account. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. The one you retweeted, the one that I spend all of my life type of one that I spend all of my life saying is crap and then people are coming up to me saying is it true that Scully's going Scully and uh, he's going for 1.5 no million? it wasn't EFL hub no no you, you you did one of the ex-agents didn't you yeah shame do you know what that's worse than me going into Weatherspoons. well it's not because you said yourself that you heard you said yourself that you heard it on Sunday yeah, but if, if I'd known the ex-agent had done it, I would probably have discounted it. I saw it. <laughs> sorry, because I'm blocked, unfortunately. I'm uh, I'm one of the blocked crew. I think Andy Pearson, good friend of mine, not yours, is also blocked uh, <laughs> by, uh, by the ex-agent as well. Oh, I love Andy, and he'd never been able to get back into his computer if it weren't for me when he was at the, uh, you know, in his previous job. So it's yeah, all good. Called him Mardy. <laughs> it was because he is Mardy. Um but yeah, you know, the, the, there was a great, great thread on Twitter earlier that was, um, uh, it was, you know, 
what was it? Uh, that particular ex-agent's accounts blocking Lincoln fans on Twitter, and it was just a photo. Yeah, yeah. photo of TJ on the line at Sunderland. Brilliant. Uh, Simon Jenkinson had done it, hadn't he? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, good stuff. So, but no, like you know, it was it was a shame that I missed it last night. It would have been great by all accounts. You know, a couple of people text me saying that it was a proper moment. Um, one of my mates was in the uh, in Stacey West, and he he texted me just saying you should have heard it go off because it it the place just basically erupted. And I was like, God damn it! Um, but yeah, we we thought initially we had the sort of ironic thought that you know oh something's something's kicked off inside but no somebody started banging the back of the stand at that point thought, all right something's clearly going on and then uh yeah next thing we know we're seeing it all over twitter which was uh, a bit of a shame but oh tj we can't have that song and anthony scully song they didn't they didn't sing that though did they gary they did for a while yes actually you didn't know because you weren't there i saw the video on twitter this morning gary you saw the video on twitter where they were they were singing whilst he was on the pitch but after he left the pitch they moved into tj to the tune of seven nation army but you wouldn't know because you insisted on getting chips before out no i didn't have have any food i didn't have any food last night so shut your face oh rachel said you'd had it before i got there yeah we had it at home well there you go so you did have food last night so why are you lying to me yeah but not at the ground i didn't That's have chips at the ground you petulant you chips little at shit. home no i had a stir fry at home and it was bloody lovely nice. what pork chicken beef chicken oh god yeah dirty little bugger what i cooked oh. it no oh, i know i'm starving i've had a couple <laughs> of sandwiches at uh at funeral this afternoon and other than that i don't even think i had toast for breakfast absolutely famished i can't wait to crack off from this so i can go and get something to eat well, not without wrist you're not you've sent me a bloody picture of it yeah it's awful isn't it <laughs> yeah it's not getting any better it's, it's swelling up it's right where my watch strap sits as well oh nice um, well for my lunch today i had a uh, we had a subway delivered to the house because we're lazy and they forgot our crisps so we complained and we got the whole order for free so i was happy with that oh, i complained at weatherspoons and all i got was a sultry not sultry that's the wrong word that's what <laughs> surly that's it surly, surly a sultry manager imagine if the manager would come and go hello sir <laughs> oh dear man. well You've had places with the downstairs part of that building. I have had many, many problems with the upstairs part of that building. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a building that we'll both be avoiding in the future. Well, where I sat, actually, this is not interesting, really, but there's a thing on the wall that says all of the acts that had been in the Ritz um, in like 80, 1986 or something. So I could find yeah. out the act that was in the Ritz around the time I went to my first game, and it was Saxon. Wow bringing the denim on leather through to lincoln saxon <laughs> uh, and i think there was on consecutive nights one night was billy bragg and the next night was roy chubby brown talk about catering for different audiences <laughs> you know what I mean? like billy bragg catering for the kind of astute politically aware youngster and then the next <laughs> night billy bragg bit of blue foot dads <laughs> I, uh, Chubby Brown came back to the Ritz um, a few years back and I was responsible for the tech for that show and it was an absolute nightmare because the man who opened it lied about everything to the touring crew um, and left me to deal with it all so I was I had to be the one that uh, explained to Roy Chubby Brown that the dressing room behind the back of the stage wasn't complete and um, he would have to have a dressing room in one of the rooms off to the side um and unfortunately we didn't have any toilet facilities in that room so we'd have to use a bucket that's brilliant i would, I would that would be a claim to fame i made i made chubby brown shit in a bucket brilliant. <laughs> i mean it's not brilliant because that yeah he's a that, terrible comedian oh yeah i mean that, that side of it's you know that side of it's all right but like the yeah just the everything around that quote unquote job was uh well, didn't he live near Grimsby? He's probably used to having a bucket. Actually, it was probably upmarket. It's probably an upgrade. <laughs> good old Royston. Oh, dear. Anyway, that's probably a good spot to, to wrap up because we're an hour in. Um, we've talked about everything we needed to talk about. Oh, we haven't. We've not looked forward to the weekend. We're playing Wickham. Shit. We'll let, we'll let Jake do the Wickham preview. 
Okay, cool. Well, there you go. If yes. Jake, if you don't, if you're listening to this and Jake hasn't done a Wickham preview, he told us he was going to. We haven't just forgotten. <laughs> yes, there's that. Um, Wickham play five three two. They've got Josh Gowan in the midfield, who I don't particularly rate. They're going to play very, very few passes, but they are organised. Watch out for Joe Jacobson. He plays on the left side of a three, which uh, the three at the back, which sometimes goes to to like a three five two. We know all about him. Wicked, wicked left foot. They've got a bit of pace in the wide areas. They're going to rely on Sam Vopes for goals. He hasn't really got going yet, but they've had a really good start to the season. It's going to be a tough, tough game. And if we come away with anything other than a point, uh, sorry, if we come away with a point rather i will be utterly delighted because i do think it's a huge huge challenge there you go that's that's our little bit about wickham um but as i say we're an hour and three minutes in and uh we've we've not got to the weekend's game so i don't think that's too bad going no and i'm hungry uh, yeah, no, I am as well, to be fair. So, right, as we uh, as we prepare to disappear, we're not going to talk about Man United game next Tuesday because Michael said that he doesn't want people to talk about it because, by all accounts, sounds like the club have been bullied in that instance. So, um, yeah, hashtag back the boycott, I guess. Um, but we will see you next Thursday. or fr- No, we'll see you next Friday. Why am I thinking Thursday? It's because we're recording on Wednesday. We'll see you next Friday. Up the Imps. Up the Imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.